All right, should we get started? Do it. Let's do it. Uh, I forget what he says. Hey, everybody, welcome um, to the episode right. 84 Hello, of the Morning Code Podcast. <laughs> Come on! For Aaron right. to just do it, I mean... <laughs> I don't know why I'm not the host. <laughs> That's right, you, just, you just sit there and make your sick burns. As the, I just read that I review I that that guy wrote again, and I, I like that part. Which one? All right. Which All one right. are we talking about? No, nah, never mind, I'll send you the link after this. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 84 of the More Than Just Code podcast. I'm your host. My name is Greg Hugh, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Tammy Coron. Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm great. And we have two special guests with us today. We've got Mark Rubin. <sighs> Talk about sick hey. burns. <laughs> and we've got Aaron Day. So, wait a minute. So why how's it going? <laughs> We're the special guests. Because Greg Mark? and I are taking over. Come on. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is a coup. <laughs> That's right. Aaron, Mark, thanks for joining us this week. And Tim, unfortunately, sends his regrets. He's on some kind of secret mission. No, and, he uh, doesn't. He'll be back next week, we hope. He didn't even let me know that this was happening. No, it's me and Greg from here on out. That's right. <laughs> Can I come on the show again? Well, I guess once. If you do a good job this episode, Aaron, we'll invite you back next week. Okay. But I promise I'm going to speak my mind and have all kinds of <laughs> sick burns. You'll see. not have it any other way, I think. Okay. Fine. Okay, let's go forward with the show. How does it go here, Greg? I don't understand this stuff. I follow think up? we've got a little bit of follow-up. <laughs> All right. There, uh, somebody posted a link to this notes. It might have been me. An article on 9to5Mac uh, about Apple developing at least six, count them, six cloud infrastructure projects, including servers to prevent snooping. So last episode, Aaron tells me, we talked about how Apple was kind of spreading things out between Azure and I think this big story was to Google Mobile, whatever the platform is called, Google Cloud. Google Cloud, like yeah. And uh, this report just came in, or not just came in, it just came in today saying that, um, you know, Apple is kind of making more of an effort to build their own stuff, including hardware and software, and that the kind of move to spread things out, um, including to Google, is kind of a sort of a stopgap in the meantime. They just want to spread things out to other third parties, but they do have projects underway to bring it all in-house, which is kind of interesting because that traditionally hasn't been Apple's strength, to put it nicely. And uh, that's something that they're working for now. They can hire strength. That's the great thing about being Apple, right? So I I love this... With all um, that money, you would think. You would think. I love this one passage from the article, and uh, I think it's very telling. Uh, it's, It's very 2016, let's put it that way. Um, they're building their own servers. That's the, what the report claims, and that makes sense. So they would be like a Google or, or a new uh, Dropbox, which did the same thing. Uh, did you hear Dropbox moved off of AWS and is now completely on their own infrastructure, building their own servers? Fine. How long that? did that take? Uh, well, the the actual project I think took uh, two years or so. It was a it was a good long project. Um, mm. Facebook also they have their own data centers with their own hardware. Same thing, right? Because uh, and they've even um, published their own specs for their hardware, as I recall, so that yeah, anybody they have some kind can of open compute or something like That's that. That's it. Whatever it's called. You got something it. like that, right? Yeah, but y- you should know about that, right? Maybe you'll get involved in that. That'd be so awesome. Maybe I'm already working on that. Maybe you oh, are. Oh, yeah. No, no. If you were, you'd be you'd be too busy to be hosting podcasts, <laughs> staging coups uh, on never. podcasts. 
You're never too busy to host podcasts. Okay. Well, here's the thing. So Apple's reportedly building their own servers. And here's the thing from the article. It believes that the servers it receives from third parties have been, quote, intercepted during shipping with additional chips and firmware added to them by unknown third parties in order to make them vulnerable to infiltration. Wow. Can you believe Talk about that? tinfoil hat. I well, know. Yeah, but that's not tinfoil that. hatty. The thing says that they are taking photographs of motherboards to say what exactly what each chip does, yeah. presumably at the factory, and then when it gets delivered, they're going to compare it or something, but that's just amazing. It's that, amazing. That is kind of a concern that we're having. That's, that's where we're at right now, and we know that's the case because the Edward Snowden revelations that have been coming out for the past couple years have pointed to exactly those methods being uh, taken by the NSA, and that's pretty much who we're talking about here. Apple is is moving to act against the NSA to keep them out of their servers, which implies, of course, that they're in there right now, right? Mm -hmm. I think it does. So scary, crazy stuff. So Apple, I think, almost has to build their own servers. It's the only way around it. Um, And good for them. The sooner the better. I mean, this is is what Apple's going to be all about going forward, I think, is it just heightens security, next-level security every time. Because they're the only ones that are in a position marketing-wise to do that, you know, from their from their whole business plan perspective. Wait, Stunned what? silence. No, 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 wow. No, no. Why, why do you say they're the only ones in the position to do that? Oh, well, compare them to Google. Compare them to Facebook. Uh, Amazon. No, no other technology company is interested in protecting the privacy of their customers. Because they make their money by selling their customers' data. Right? Well, by that Apple's argument, the only they, one they that should in, be interested in, in keeping the privacy because only they have the access to it then, if they're selling Apple the should data. be. For example, Google, right? If oh, Google is yeah. making a lot of money selling users' data, they don't want anybody else to get it for free. They, but they're, they're not, the they're not as interested it. in it, and they're not, they're not going to uh, sell their products um, as, as privacy-friendly, to put it that way, or warrant-proof, sure. as Apple will, right? Yeah. So it, I don't, it doesn't make sense. Google's never going to come out in the market and say, hey, our, our technology is, is warrant-proof. You, know, you, you save your data on an Android phone, and it's going to be locked down. No, no FBI is ever going to get in there um, because that's just patently false because um, Google's selling that information to the highest bidders or you know, the right. algorithmically determined. Servers, by the way. <laughs> of course they do, yes, yeah. not, but not, not to keep them secure but to reach economies of scale, right? So on, at first blush, you could look at what Apple's doing and say, hey, you know, like they're looking to achieve the same economies of scale and efficiency that, uh, that the Googles and the Dropboxes and the Facebooks of the world are doing. But really what it's about is security. Okay, so. All right. <laughs> Good on Apple. So we'll keep an eye out to see. Well, they oh, had those two yeah. data center projects, and I guess we'll see what else they come up with, where else they're going to build this stuff, and hopefully they won't have infiltration in the supply chain for their motherboards i guess it's going to be an ongoing struggle my my tinfoil hat that i wear 24 7 prevents me from commenting on this entire conversation (laughs) (laughs) why why do you say that tammy i I can't tell you (laughs) it's like every time i want to answer there's a zap that goes in my head right from my tinfoil hat but okay seriously (laughs) all kidding aside i mean I was on a walk the other day, and this man who I see all the time when I'm walking, he's probably in his late 70s, maybe even early 80s. So he's not um, hes not necessarily up on the technology. He doesn't have an iPhone. He still has a flip phone. And I don't even think he knows how to use that. 
But he stopped me on my walk and he says, so what do you think this whole Apple FBI thing? I mean, like, what do you think of it? So he was trying to get my input on this. And my input to him was, I think that I would rather not trade an ounce of my privacy for a half ounce of false security. And I feel like that's what's happening here with everything that's going on. So that's just my opinion. I don't know that it's true, but that's that's where I stand on the whole thing. I think that Apple, I support them. If, if what they are saying is what they are doing and they are trying to prevent and protect our privacy and prevent the FBI from, or anyone actually, from getting into our personal data, then I support them fully. If, however, they're just doing a dog and pony show, then I need to get a bigger tinfoil hat. You would have to. Do you, I would have to. Well, I, I haven't heard from any quarter uh, any suggestion that Apple is being anything less than above board. Uh, what they're saying is, is in fact the case. And, you know, those of us who are technically minded, I think, uh, understand the trade-offs that are at stake here. You know, the idea of uh, it being, you know, even technically impossible to provide a, a truly secure backdoor air quotes, um, that can let federal authorities get into a device, but no one else, right? You know, given given all the comment from from experts, you know, and I, I look to people on, on Twitter, for example, that are professionals in this field, Jonathan Zdjarski uh, being one of them. <laughs> Do you know this guy? Uh, you didn't butcher that too much. Now you're fine. Oh, I totally butchered it. <laughs> Zdjarski. So anyway, uh, he's a, he's an expert on uh, uh, digital forensics, etc. So... Um, and I follow other people like him, and um, the consensus seems pretty clear that you know Apple is is quite right in its position. They're not pulling one over on the FBI. Uh, they are, uh, you know, what they're saying. The threat is real, and um, you are right to believe as you do, Tammy, that uh, this is not a worthwhile trade-off. No, and it's 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 really not, and it's not so much that the FBI is trying to squash the rights of Americans or, you know, anybody for that matter. It's the fact that there are there are evil people in the world and those same evil people will find a way cuz like, you know, Dr. Malcolm says on Jurassic Park, life always finds a way. Well, evil people always find a way as well to exploit the things that are supposed to be used for good. And that's my concern. It's not, I'm not afraid that the government is going to go out there and, and misuse and abuse this technology and, and access into our personal data. Could it happen? Absolutely. Sure. I mean, I'm, I make jokes about tinfoil hats and so on and so forth. And yeah, I'm sure that things like that can happen. But I am truly more concerned about the really super evil people in this world who say, hey, now we've got this back door. Now we can use it. We don't care what it was originally purposed for. We're going to use it for our own nefarious purposes. And that's what scares me. And I don't, I am not willing to trade off any of that for those people. Right. And it, and it sets a, a, a precedent. You know, once, once Apple does it once for the government, then it's hard to say no the next time, even if the if the arguments aren't as you know as strong as as they may be for this for this case, and and it's just a slippery slope. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to hear that that's how Apple started their announcement that this just uh, this past Monday. Um, oh, good segue, with a great. Sort of note. Oh, thank you. With a note about sort of 
us against, you know, we didn't think that we'd be in this position against the government, and here's what's going on. So they started with that, which was a kind of a nice move. Uh, are there any other comments on that before we move on to announcements? Yeah, there should be one more comment because there was news right. after the announcement. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's clear off all the FBI uh, talk for before we get to the good stuff. <laughs> um, so... Uh, the day after the announcement, so on Tuesday, I believe, when they were supposed to have some kind of hearing, um, the FBI's uh, announced that they were um, putting it off indefinitely because they say they have found someone to get into the phone for them. Right in the nick of time, they're like, oh, we actually yeah. don't need you, actually, after yeah, all. We turns found somebody out. else. Yeah. yeah. And so there's like a couple of different ways of interpreting this. Either uh, the FBI was being sincere the whole time, and they did not, in fact, you know, think about this as a legal precedent that they needed to access every phone going forward. Um, they actually really did just want this one phone, um, and they found another way to do it. And so no need to go to the courts anymore. The other interpretation is that they realized that they needed a much better legal argument than they actually had. They were going to lose this thing. And so they decided to pull out while they still could. Either way, it seems kind of messy on the part of the FBI, and um, honestly, I have no idea where this is going from now. But it seems at the present moment that this particular crisis is resolved. Do you guys get that impression, or if, have I misread yeah, sort this? Of a withdrawn without prejudice, the kind where you can come back for it later on if you wanted to. I forget if that's with or without. I think that's without prejudice, but it's like, right. all right, they've, we'll they've withdraw suspended for now. their campaign. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, like, it can come back any time, right? Like, they could find another case and bring this up again. This could start happening again. <laughs> so, yeah. right? It's yeah. kind of like marriage. I'm going to forgive you for now. <laughs> yeah. But there's a chance I might bring this up later. So be prepared. <laughs> ah, marriage. That's true. In, like, a good marriage, you're really not supposed to bring up the old stuff. That yes, be it resolved. reminds me of that uh, Garth Brooks song, Let's Bury the Hatchet, But Leave the Handle Sticking Way Out. <laughs> Wow, country music. Never stop being you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I live in the South. What do you want? <laughs> that you do. Um, I wanted to say something else, too. Um, and I, I think Tim sort of alluded to this a little bit in his uh, little speech about it on Monday. Um, but what we have here is a sort of a legal challenge. And it's the FBI trying to leverage existing laws, such as they are, to get their way with the um, with the phone in question. But this is sort of like a broadside. And I think if I'm Apple right now, I'm looking at the landscape, and I'm seeing that this issue is probably not going to go away, right? Like, it's, it's, there's going to be another phone. There's going to be another terror attack. Uh, it seems inevitable at some point that the U.S. authorities are going to want to get into another phone, and it, you know, it might be even crazier. And I think, um, you know, Apple alluded to this, or maybe the, um, you know who was? Uh, Obama at South by Southwest. When he said that uh, it's best to deal with this now rather than wait for a real tragedy to come along and have Congress pass something really crazy and stupid. Um, and so that's where I think Apple really needs to focus is is on the legislative side of things. You know, go away from the executive branch of the U.S. government and into the legislative branch and try to get a law passed that enshrines the rights of companies in, in the U.S., to create um, high, the highest standards of encrypted products. Um, and I, I think if I'm Apple, I would be really looking at that as the, the right thing to do because you need to kind of do an end run around this, um, this 
justice branch, if you will, uh, method of going after things through the courts. Well, not um, to get too too into politics technical. at this point, but uh, why not, Mark? Here's where yeah, we are. <laughs> why not? Because I'm on the show. That's pretty much doomed to fail <laughs> in the in the climate that we have. Uh, Congress is kind of leading the charge towards encryption. I mean, towards getting rid of encryption, as as opposed to uh, the other way around. Yeah. So I think it's very unlikely that that's that's going to happen. But I think Apple really needs to, like Apple has not been very strong in a um, in the public policy world. Really, um, they don't have much influence in Washington, as far as I understand. Uh, they're one of the lowest spenders in terms of. Um, uh, trying to steer policy like you know google's there microsoft's there in big ways pushing their agendas you know and that's kind of how politics works right so apple and i think probably is i would expect they're starting to realize that they need to be there too because the things that are happening there are going to start affecting them and their agenda so they need to represent themselves you know whether congress is friendly or not right and you know it's everything's going to change in what six months seven months so Get started now, if I were them. <laughs> Just saying, if I'm Tim Cook, I'm like, let's get some boots on the ground in Washington and start talking to senators and congressmen and women, you know, and get get the needle moving in our direction. Don't you guys think? Come on. Don't you watch the West Wing? Don't you know how things work? <laughs> I don't watch TV. It's all about the law. You watch movies. Watch That's TV. for darn sure. No, no I watch iTunes. Does that count? I watch, like, The Walking Dead and Yes. Yeah, yes, it does watch, count. Don't you watch House of Cards? No. No. Oh, yeah, no, I know no, what you mean. Okay. I, I do watch House of Cards. I haven't started I've the third it. season because I know, I think I said this already, if I watch the first episode, I'm just going to watch them all and I yeah. just can't do that right What's now. What's the problem, Greg? You're nothing but time. <laughs> Speaking of the needle moving, yes. why don't we talk about the needle of climate and yes, the thermometer? Very good. good. Good segue. Excellent segue. Thank you. You're all so right. good Apple's focus, at this hosting Apple's focus <laughs> on the environment and however long they spent on that. Um, I didn't really have anything to say other than that was just a note. The next thing they talked about environment and we had a new um i think i've never seen her i forget her name was it lisa jackson um lisa jackson i think i'd never seen her on stage before i don't think yeah she's and been she mentioned before about, mm-hmm. yeah i'm not sure if she's been on stage or not at a keynote but yeah we've we've definitely heard from her before okay okay and uh yeah we talked about renewable energy and recycling and they had that cool robot that takes things apart Jar- kind of oh liam liam i, was gonna I say think Jarvis. it was yeah, it's liam that's right. yeah um, yeah that's pretty cool so the environment i like how apple is kind of on top of that kind of like how you just said aaron like you wish that apple was more on top of the the lobbying effort and things like that in washington that was the word i was always... looking for earlier lobbying oh did yeah. you not say that i, I didn't use the word it. no i didn't All use right. that word i was looking for i was groping okay okay <laughs> i i sensed it thank you um but the it's it's nice that I, I don't see very other very many other companies with the same focus on the environment and apple's just kind of oh of course we're concerned about that and here's what we're doing about it and it's just always nice to see yeah makes you feel good i don't know um you know in a macro sense it doesn't really do anything but it is absolutely good and it's uh, a good example for other companies to follow if they can afford to yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've read reports, I think, about how Apple says, oh, everything is recyclable, but then the actual recycling people say, oh, it's all fused together, we can't actually separate them out, and that's all just a sham, it's not really recyclable, and the, oh, yeah? al- the aluminium is anodized in a particular way, and we can't actually reuse it, so it's all just a show, it's all just for show, which may be true, but I think seeing that, again, the Apple engineers themselves have come up with this robot that will disassemble the things and get the parts back hmm. is 
So maybe it was true all along. Maybe there wasn't a facility that could recycle these things because you know they're so small and the way they're glued and assembled. Maybe it is hard to take them apart. I don't know. But now I think it's like nope. Here it is, right on the big screen, a iPhone or whatever it was being disassembled, and we can't extract the gold and the silver and all that kind of stuff. So that was kind of cool. It was very robots. Cool. Beautiful video. Well, them and their videos. Oh yeah, they know how to do a video. God knows. <laughs> all right, uh, care kit and research kit. Anything to say about that? No. <laughs> and health in general. Yeah. This this was all like, I was watching this and I didn't know it was going to be an hour at the time I was watching it, but I knew at the top of the hour when it, you know, uh, when it was supposed to end, I had a meeting to go to. So I was really hoping that Apple would get to the good stuff. Um, <laughs> and I felt like this stuff was all filler. To be frank. I tweeted something when <laughs> they announced agree. research kit like that, and yeah. I think I got scolded for someone saying, "Hey, health is very important." Yeah, and yeah, have yeah. Diabetes in our, yeah, in our. So I was trying to keep a more open mind about it this time. Good, um, good. You know, you should keep an open mind. Uh, having said that, uh, I I can say that this care kit and their research kit focus is wonderful. Great news, you know, and bully for Apple keeping that sort of thing up. But um, I don't know that it needs stage time at a keynote uh, where they're here to announce new products. Uh, you know, maybe well, not. The, the but products, I mean, everybody knew going in that the products were going to be kind of incremental changes this time. True that. And, and not huge ones. Uh, nothing earth-shattering. So they needed to do something to keep it from being perceived as a, as a ho-hum event, I think. So they, and do you think they succeeded? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they probably did as as well as they possibly could. It kind of reminded me of the great Apple Music fiasco of the WWDC. Ooh. Was it WWDC keynote? It was, I think, with Tim and Bono touching fingers. <laughs> no, about oh. <laughs> uh, was it Eddie Q who spoke for what seemed like three hours talking about Apple Music? Yeah, that one yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it kind of reminded me of that, where at that time you could tell they really wanted to push music and talk about it because i guess they were very excited about it and maybe regular people not so much and this the health thing kind of feels like the same thing it's like yes it's important to some people maybe arguably it should be important to all of us fine but it's like a it seems like a niche thing and it's just a strange thing as you said aaron to give a lot of stage time to at a presentation like this Mm -hmm. yeah and it's okay you know like i'm not i'm not like you know totally adverse to it i just yeah, you, uh, you hate healthy people right yeah exactly like <laughs> damn you for being so healthy and for helping people get better jerks yeah. but no I, I just uh i was kind of itching to get to the the next stuff and uh yeah so too yeah. right now Segway. i mean i guess none of us are working on health apps so there it is but it would be like if they spent 10 minutes or whatever talking about the new you know accelerometer framework or something we'd be like wow this is a lot of time to talk about this kind yeah. of Again, niche feature, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's close the loop and talk about watch bands. Then, who's getting the nylon? Nice one. Gosh, these these watch bands are not cheap, right? Oh man, I should have looked it up. That okay, me. I am looking it up right now. I'm looking it up right now. Floral elastomer ones are what seventy dollars. Uh, so which currency are we talking about? <laughs> uh, U.S. dollars, of course, the only currency Damn. that matters. Oh my goodness, oh, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> yeah, he did. He went there. Uh. I don't know, man. My watch is still just sitting here on my desk. It's fully charged now as opposed to where it was a few months ago, under my desk, behind some things, covered in dust. Wow. So I just, so, I, I still can't get into it. I tried. Just Well, that's, that's a larger discussion 
It Cammie, really like is. You're, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. We're I'm talking about the, the bands, discussion. for goodness sake. <laughs> $50 for the sport band. 69 for the woven nylon. 69 How much? The same price, though, right? Yes, $50, $50 US, US $70 Canadian. Oh, my goodness. I'd rather, like, I don't know. I'd rather not... set $50 on fire. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go there, but okay. I, I guess I right, agree. Then. Kill it with fire. As Kill it say. with fire. Yeah, um, right. I have been seeing a lot of tweets and posts and things about uh, third-party watch bands that people are really happy with. I think I actually saw like a metal link bracelet, and it was like something reasonable, like thirty dollars. I forget how much it was. Yeah, you're Not right. One hundred and fifty, though. Well, that's you're it. Right. I'm totally reasonable. making one out of duct tape. You could. I but, might. Yeah. You know, I did. Um, I did slag these bands, and the, well, the cost really. You know, with especially with the Milanese Loop, uh, they came up with a black version. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's new, and it's it's two hundred dollars Canadian, um, and I just tweeted like I'm not. It looks great, but I am not spending that kind of money. And someone um, that I know in San Francisco tweeted back and said, you know, I've got this one from Amazon. It was like thirty dollars, and it's great. <laughs> it looks just like that one. Um, yeah, there is a thriving market for third party watch bands out there. Like, just go to Amazon, and you will find a ton of them. Like, it's a crazy amount. And they look like the Apple ones. I don't know if they actually function like them or if they really look like them up close. If you could tell them apart, maybe they have really lousy build quality. But at, on the surface, at least, it appears that you can get something very, very like what Apple's making for significantly less money. Well, I'm just going to say it's odd to spend $70 Canadian or $50 US on a n- woven nylon watch band. Um, that I know, just, man, it's nylon. Oh, come on, that's like it's nylon. Holy cow! Even are you the kidding floral me? Elastomer, I'm like, come on, it's a piece of molded plastic or whatever it is. Yeah, some kind of I plastic, mean, but it's, it's really beautiful plastic or rubber, or whatever. But um, you know, still, I can't fathom spending like. And they said themselves, Apple said like something like thirty percent of watch users have multiple bands. Was mm. that the number? Am I remembering that right? But it was. It was. It was I thought it was. It was. I thought it was like half or whatever. But yeah, I thought it was, it was a, less than a half. Decent number. Yeah, decent number, but not a great number. And I think that's because they're so expensive. They're crazy expensive, these bands. They get really stupid. Like, am I going to spend $600 on a link bracelet? Come on. Yeah, I was just looking. In U.S. dollars, that's 450 which is just more expensive than the watt, the sport, at least. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking nuts. on Amazon, and they do have link bracelets third party for, you know, $60, $70, dollars $20. I mean, there's, there's low as 20 30 Yeah. But, yeah. The modern buckle, you know, which is a leather strap with a, you know, a steel buckle. And it's $330 Canadian. That's $250 US. Yep. Um, the uh, classic buckle, $200 Canadian. It's just like, it's mind-blowing to me. Who is spending that? Not me, obviously. Not me. Uh, so I, I find that a little crazy. And I'm not, I'm not likely to even bother going into the store to look at them. Because what's the point? I'm just not going to be able to talk myself into spending that kind of money for a different watch band. So right. that's me. And, but they did. Oh, there's something they did mention is they dropped the price on the sport watch by fifty dollars. I think it's a hundred, isn't it? Or I forget how much they said it is. fifty. How much was it originally? Was it fifty? I forget how much the watch was. Was it three ninety nine down to two ninety nine? Oh, I should go to some website somewhere and see if I can find the answer to that question. I should have totally <laughs> looked it up. I'm still on the. Uh, um, accessories page here i can only tell you i'm on the canadian site here so the apple watch sport is on the canadian site it is 399 
Now, right, it must in have the US, been. It's two ninety nine for the thirty eight millimeter and three forty nine for the forty two. Which I believe yes is fifty dollars cheaper than originally. I think. Hmm. So, so it's anyway, three ninety nine Canadian and four sixty nine. Okay. Wait, does that make sense? Is that right? Yeah, because three hundred US. So you're saying it's four hundred Canadian, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's right. That's more than like, what is that? Thirty three percent more. Hmm. I guess that makes sense. That does make sense for the currency, but yeah, there it God. is. Yeah, well, that's the thing I've been noticing is that their pricing is uh, is currency plus now. So, like, you're not just paying the currency difference between the U.S. prices. And I'm sorry to go on at length about Canadian pricing. This is just me. Uh, More Than Just Code is a Canadian-oriented podcast. Sorry, but there it is. And now it's, so, it's been said. <laughs> it's been said. It's been said. See, it's this out. time in a week and a half, I'm going to be the only one here who's in Canada. <laughs> okay, fine. So that's what they did. They dropped the price a little bit on the watch, um, which suggests probably that they are uh, either not selling as well as they'd like, or they have gotten their their profit margins up now that they're making a bunch of them. So take mm. your pick. You want to talk about well, the speaking iPad? Speaking of prices, if yeah. I can se- segue again to the iPad. boy. I think it was last episode or a few episodes ago where we were talking about what was going to, when we first talked about the iPad Pro 9-inch and I think I had said that they would drop the price of the current iPad by $100. They would charge $100 more and call it the Pro, which I mm-hmm. think came to pass. So, yeah. pat on the back for myself. a boy. Um, but I like the price spread that they now have. And they have Do you? iPad Mini, <sighs> iPad Air 2, and then for whatever, more money is iPad Pro, the little one, and then the iPad Pro, the big one. So, they've kind of spread things out a little bit, which is nice i guess but i think what they need to do now is like normalize the names because now it's just crazy and what it's does insane mean and what does air mean and you know yeah. what confusion with macbooks although there's probably not that much confusion but still across product lines it'd be nice to normalize the names a little bit i'm actually uh, much more upset about this than you are i guess because i'm looking at their current product offering and let's just just look at ipads right now mm-hmm. and i can i can have the same argument now about the iphone maybe we'll get to that but it is a riot of decisions out there and it just seems like, to me, it appears that Apple is flailing when it comes to deciding how to sell the iPad. And so you start at the iPad Mini 2 at the bottom of the line for 269 mm-hmm. right? Um, US? I'm trying yes. to. It's hard for me to see um, a chart. I'd love to see a chart where, like, every model of every iPad is presented. Does such a thing uh-huh. exist? There was a slide on there on the, and d- during the presentation with something like that, but uh, I don't I know if there's that. a. Anyway, iPad Mini Four is next for three starting at three ninety nine. Three ninety nine, yes. okay, yes, yeah. and then at the same price, at the same three ninety nine, you've got the first generation iPad Air. Is that right. for, still for sale? I, I believe it is. The iPad Air Two. Um, they must have removed that. Yep, you're right. It's gone. Okay, but that is three ninety nine. So you're right on that set that side. Uh, okay, so the iPad Air is three ninety nine, but they're not selling it anymore. Let me see here. So they got the, so the iPad, iPad Air, Air 2. It's is, $399. Oh, so they bumped it down. Okay. So, and then they've got the iPad Pro 9.7 inch, which is $599, right? I believe that's right. Yes. Okay. And then the 13 inch Pro, which is $799. You have a lot of choices to make, to my mind. It's crazy. I, I, you know what I wish they would do? I wish they would just like stop uh, selling older devices because they seem to be uh, creating increased confusion for the benefit of trying to reach lower prices. 
you know like they're they're trying to go down market by you know and this is a strategy they've used for years this is not new but they try to go down market by selling the old stuff and i just i don't feel like that's a great strategy because it creates more confusion it's like okay so here's an ipad mini 2 and an ipad mini 4 and these things look essentially the same but they are largely different like they've got different guts inside of them right Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, different options, uh, you know, the, the storage options, 128 uh, gigabytes on the iPad Mini 4 you can get up to um, on both models. Um, you've got the improved processor, uh, the better display, the uh, Touch ID on the iPad Mini 4. Uh, and so you can't see those, though. And so somebody trying to make a decision on what to buy is going to have a really hard time choosing between the 4 and the 2 right? And they'll see the dramatically lower price on the Mini 2 and think, okay, well, that's the better one. And they walk out with like a, an old and busted iPad that, you know, will not have the longevity of an iPad Mini 4, well, for wait example. Well, why would they say that's the better one? Because it's cheaper. Oh, well, <laughs> it's better that's for me because one. I want to spend less money. No, it's definitely not the better one. No, I think well, right? no, but no, maybe no, no, that's no. better for them. If that's their number one thing, I want the cheapest one, then... In that sense, yes, that's better for them. But I th- sorry, when you said it's the better one, I thought you meant like that's no, the, no, no. I didn't mean that. I, I think right, most right. people, when they walk into a store and they're overwhelmed with choices, at least this is how it works for me. A lot of times, I'll look at the pricing and I'll be like, "Oh, well, clearly the one that's more expensive is the better one." True. Clearly, I mean, there's the whole phenomenon of price anchoring, right? Saying that here's the iPad Mini two two sixty nine or whatever you said it was. And okay, so iPads, I need to start thinking 269 fine. But, oh, there's this 399 one, which is only $100 more, $100 in a bit. Right. And now let me see. And people buy the middle one is always the phenomenon, right? Yeah. So well, there's also, but, um, there's also the approach of if there's an expensive one and a cheap one, they'll think the cheaper one's a, a better deal and, and buy the cheaper one. Because they didn't really want to spend the amount for the more expensive one anyway. But now that they see the more expensive one there and there's a cheaper option the cheaper option seems more reasonable because of the existence of the more expensive one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do you think most people do that, or do you think they fall more towards the, it's only $100 more, so I can come up it with depends. I, th- I think it depends on what uh, your economic situation is. I think uh, yeah, people who have a lot of disposable income might say, well, it's only $100 more, but for people who are struggling a little bit, they still get the opportunity to get this uh brand name product for a lower price yeah i mean not to jump ahead too much but aaron you had mentioned that they just keep selling their older model stuff which is which is true but with the iphone se again not to jump ahead maybe they're starting to test the waters a bit and say let's design i mean it is pretty much just an iphone 5s but let's kind of redesign something and come out with it new i'm making air quotes here and that will be the new low-end product. So maybe something like that's coming for the iPad line as well. I don't know. But well, let's I see what you think like, about that in three I years when like it's still on the market. Idea. <laughs> I do like the idea of saying, here is the entry-level iPad. Again, the names are horrible. But here's the entry-level iPad. It's the little one, $269. There you go. And then we have like the quote-unquote real iPads in two sizes, right? The Mini 4 and the iPad Air 2. And these are like our normal models. And then we got the Pro models for the Pros. But I think that's the right number to say we have two big ones, or sorry, we have a pro big and a little, we have a regular big and a little, and then the super cheap one. I kind of like that spread of products. Yeah, but it gets really confusing because you're not only, we have only up till now been talking about starting price, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
you can always configure each of these on two axes, the amount of storage inside of it and the Wi-Fi and cellular models, right? Mm -hmm. And so even the cheapest model of iPad Mini 2, in Canada it's 329 for the 16 gig version, Uh, you bump it up to 379 for the 32 gig, and if you want to add Wi-Fi and cellular, it's 519 now. So you've added, you know, $180 or so to the price already. And that's just to go within what is the cheapest model. And that most expensive model is the same price as like an iPad Air 2, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who can keep track of all this? I want a single chart. I want one chart where I can see all the options and what they cost me. And you can see Apple has structured their website to prevent you from doing that. You know how hard it well, is to, to get that? Compare. Let me see if that No, the does compare it. doesn't have pricing on it, Greg. It does have pricing. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I was just there. Oh, it does for I'm me. Just there. No, it doesn't. No, let me send it around. I'll send you a screenshot I, I if you want. I admit that I, I sort of find it uh, hard to justify having two 9.7-inch iPads, for example. Uh, I, I get that one is the Pro and one is the regular, but really, is there that much difference between the Pro and the regular? Why not just have one version that combines the two and have it sort of be mid-price <gasps> between the two. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I I said something about that before, I think, but it's like they have all of these cool features like pencil support and whatever you need on the screen and the higher color gamut and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, eventually that yeah. stuff will trickle. I mean, I think that's the problem with the naming where they have like... Uh, this is the Pro, and it's got like a super drive in it, which is amazing. But then that trickles down eventually, and then the right. Pro, the difference between the Pro and the non-Pro become less and less. So I think that same thing's kind of happen. Like they need to, they've got all these cool features, but they can't put them in the cheap models yet. So they have to call it Pro. But then eventually, you would hope everything that the Pro can do will c- trickle down. But then you know there'll always be new features coming out, and for the expensive models, so I think. Again, I like the the parody or the way it works in the MacBook line, where you have the MacBook for regular, quote-unquote, regular people, and then the Pro for the Pros, and there's two sizes for each one. Mm-hmm. I think that helps people kind of decide, oh, I, I only check email and I browse the web, so I'm not going to get the Pro. I'm going to get the other one. Yeah. And maybe yeah. They're, they're trying to do the same kind of thing with the yeah. iPad. And actually, looking at this chart that Aaron just posted, maybe we can put that in the show notes. Uh, now, put Greg's in because... Oh, oh please. Like, they need it. Okay, uh, so, sorry, it Mark. just for pretty reasonable. Yeah. Now that I see this. The U.S. site has pricing, and the Canadian site does not. And that's okay. that's what the difference is. That's why I couldn't see it, and you did. Uh, um, okay, got it. That's the link I gave you. So, yeah, look at the U.S. site and put that link in the show notes. And it's a, it's a, to me, this is a riot. This is crazy. I don't mean a riot like funny. I mean riot like, what the hell do I even do now? Well, I don't think, well, I don't know I shouldn't say. I don't think people are coming to this page and deciding what to get. People will say, do I want the pro or not? Uh, I'll browse through the features. I don't want the Pro. I don't need all that stuff. All right. Do I want the big one or the little one? I like the big one. And then they're set. They get the iPad or two and they configure it. Hmm. But yeah. Actually, I don't one think people interesting are, thing that I didn't I realize before, sorry to interrupt, uh, is looking at this chart, for the two 9.7-inch versions, there are no common memory configurations. So the yeah. iPad Air 2 has a 16 gig and a 64 gig. And the Pro has a 32 gig, oh, yeah. 128 gig, and a 256 gig. So there's mm-hmm. there's a little less overlap than than it seems like at, at first blush. Yeah, and Aaron, when you mentioned the iPad Mini 2, they're super cheap on having cell as well. 
did I am I remembering right? Or remember when the iPad two was sticking around way past its sell by date? Yep. Didn't it in the, its last configuration it not have sell? It was a Wi Fi only sixteen for yeah. two ninety nine. I think or you're right. There was no sell option. That's what I remember. I think you're right. So when you said when you said this one had sell, I was a little surprised, and I was like, oh, that's right, it does. But I always thought traditionally the cheapest model was like you know sixteen and thirty two, and that would be it, no sell option. But yep. uh, I guess they got a lot of the sell chips left over. <laughs> well, they're not short, that's for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not happy with the way they are running things here. Um, you know what I, I wish they would do is just say, you know, this is our product line. It's all new, and these are the prices. And you know what? The used market will take care of the rest. And it would, it would help the used market. <laughs> not that Apple cares about that, but that's just my feeling. To, to me, if I'm going to buy a new uh, iPad, uh, I'm really kind of uncertain, especially now between the iPad Pro 9.7 and the Air 2. The Air 2, which is now two years old, by the way, mm. um, and I'm supposed to consider that on the same level as an iPad Pro. I think I'm getting the 9.7 iPad Pro. Uh, what do you have now? I have an iPad Mini Two, I believe. I actually have that one, but I don't oh, really? new. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one with no touch ID but with a retina screen? Yep. Yes, that's the one I have. Um, so yeah, that's my only iPad. I had an iPad two, but I gave that away. So I've just got the mini. That's great. I, I'm really liking the look of the iPad Pro. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I think that the 9.7 one looks fantastic. Uh, it's too bad Tim's not here because I really would have loved to hear what he thinks about it. Um, but then if you price it out, and I'm sorry I'm going to be Canadian again, uh, <laughs> the uh, 128 gig version, which on the U.S. site here is... Uh, 749? Eight, 879, okay, uh, for well, 128 for the Wi-Fi and cellular. Yes, Okay. Yes, because I I like my iPads to have cellular. Um, I'm a big fan. In Canada, that's that's one thousand one hundred and seventy nine dollars. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's the reaction I had, Greg. I was like, How much is the two fifty six, Aaron, with cell? <laughs> Let me check. Uh, I got fifteen hundred dollars. It is thirteen seventy nine. That's not bad. <gasps> that is oh, too bad. much. That is too much money. That is too that, much money. And I like I the iPad, a, but that is too. Yeah much money well tammy you've got the 12.9 pro do you feel like it. a smaller one would be better you would have imagine <laughs> mm. if the, both of these were announced and you didn't have the 12.9 they were just announced today in two sizes would you still have gotten the big one well that's the problem they serve different purposes like i'm using the the bigger one right now as a um what do you call that thing? A, a teleprompter. Paperweight? No, no, oh. not as a paperweight. <laughs> as a teleprompter and a drawing pad. And I use it as a drawing pad when I'm away from my Wacom, uh, my Cintiq. If they announce both of them at the same time, I would still need both of them because I would use the bigger one for the, you know, for reading and for using it as a teleprompter and so on and so forth. But I would use the smaller one as a drawing tablet for when I'm away from my Cintiq. So, I mean, there is a, a an argument here that not one iPad fits all functions. And that's where I run into a problem because then I'll stand in the store and be like, um, yeah, I can only afford one. Now I don't know which one I want. So you would have wanted the smaller one to draw on? Is that right? I, I would because I have the Cintiq. And really the only reason I draw on the iPad 
is because I'm away from the Cintiq, whether I'm outside with the kids or in the truck, you know, on, on the way to somewhere, but I need to get something drawn out or a sketch. The, the 12 point, whatever size it is, and I really should know this as a developer, but I don't, but that larger one is too big for that to take with me, to do things, to be mobile. But as a teleprompter, mm. when I'm sitting here creating videos, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, I tried to create videos with my tiny, and I say tiny, but my tiny little iPhone 6 Plus, and I can't see it. I'm squinting. I'm in my mid-40s. I'm like a, a, a you know mid-40-year-old hag trying to read this iPhone 6 from eight feet away, and I can't <laughs> do it. But with the iPad Pro, the larger screen, I'm like, dude, I totally got this. <laughs> wow, I'm using an iPod Touch for my teleprompter, Tim. Oh, no, dude, Ouch. you need to get an iPad Pro and hook up with this teleprompter software because I'm just like in heaven. The thing follows my voice. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> or, Greg, you just need to wait 10 years, and then everything will yeah. change. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the littler one, the, the 9.7, right? That's what it is, 9.7? Yep. Yes. That they're coming out with, that would be ideal for me to take with me when we're going out to dinner or if, if I'm outside with the kids and I still need to do my work and just, you know, whether it be jot out a quick sketch or type out some notes or even watch some stuff online or, or read some stuff, that's the perfect size for that. So I'm really mm. torn. I don't like, I mean, yeah, I guess I should like choices, but choices scare me. They scare a lot I really of people. Like, I really like the mini size, but oh, Aaron, I think you also tried the pencil for the first time last week, right? Yeah, I, I, did. I tried the pencil for the first time, and it was like, wow! I see yeah. why everybody's raving about it. I'm yep. not like an artist; I'm not going to draw anything. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll use it to take notes, but I was like, I would like the option of having a, getting a pencil. So, all right, here's I'm my point of contention. A try. Here's like, I got to okay. climb up on my soapbox. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this Apple event, and I'm like, come on, announce it. I, just just say it. You need to say it. Give me the new pencil. Give me the one with the eraser. And they didn't do it. <laughs> That's and I'm not like, happening. you know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm so out of here. Keep your 9.7. Keep your 12 point whatever. I'm done. That's a wow. lie, but that's how I felt. It's like, <laughs> give me the dang eraser already. I mean, even, you know, we were talking about this on our Slack channel. The um, the Pencil by 53 has an eraser. Obviously, the, the Cintiq has, has an eraser. But the Apple Pencil, the thing that I wanted most in this thing is not here. And I'm like, give it to me. Come on. <laughs> I think you'll be waiting a long time for that, Tammy. Why? It can't be because that reasons. hard. It's not because of the technical things, I'm sure. I, I don't think so, anyway. They just don't think you need it. I need it. Hey, whoever is in res- responsible for the Apple Pencil, I need it. Other people they're, like me, we yeah, all need They're it. listening to this show. They, they need to. <laughs> oh, and I was also disappointed that Johnny wasn't there on the on the Apple event, but that's like totally personal and we shouldn't get into mm. it. <laughs> yeah. Not even a video appearance. Huh? I know. What the heck? Whatever. Not sitting in the front row. Whatever. Yep. Angela Aarons yep. was there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in the interest of, of talking about things that are small and keeping the length of the show a little bit small, uh, let's, let's talk Ooh. about the other small thing that was introduced at the podcast. At, I'm sorry, at the uh, event. <laughs> Special edition. Yep. Well, suffice to say, uh, we saw that one coming, right? Obviously. So the uh, iPhone 5S form factor with iPhone 6S guts. 
That's basically the long and short of it. We saw it coming from Mark Gurman when he announced it on his website months ago. And so uh, there were no surprises. And so people who were looking to have a nice four-inch phone can now rejoice and go buy one when it comes on sale uh, this weekend. And uh, I'm not one of them. Uh, either of you guys or any of you guys want one of these phones? thinking about it. I was thinking about it because I do still have a 5S and it's unlocked and I use it for testing sometimes. And I'm like, this is actually pretty good. I like it. But I think, I don't know if it actually, I think it's thicker than the 6. Is that right? Or yes. is it just my imagination? No, nope, right. no. Nope. It's definitely thicker. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of thick. I don't know if I actually want to carry this around. So that was, that's the downside to it for me. But I was considering, I was like, maybe I'll get it. But then I heard it doesn't have 3D touch. So then I was like, all right, forget mm, about nope, it. No, no 3D touch. Yep. And uh, Touch ID 1 not uh, Touch ID 2, so it's the the same as an iPhone 6 or previous, and uh, it's not as fast. But the, the okay. camera appears do, to I be I mean, the same. I have Touch ID 1, and it's, I don't know, fa- it's fast enough for me. I haven't tried Touch ID 2, so I have no idea, but that's not such a big deal. But the, um, it's a 3D Touch that I want. Yeah, not happening. Yeah, I don't know. Um, they're, you know, I think Apple said something like 30% of iPhone users are on a 4-inch phone. Uh, so they're expecting those people to be the ones that are clamoring for this this size. I personally am not seeing it. I, I have plenty of experience handling phones of these size. Uh, my daughter has one. My wife has one. And uh, every time I pick it up, I'm like, woo, small, but not in a positive way. It's too small. Hmm. I won't get one myself. Uh, I, I like the iPhone 6 size, especially because my eyes are pretty awful too these days because uh, I'm getting old too. But I think this is 100% marketed towards overseas markets. Oh, yeah? China. You think so? Yeah. See, now I thought China was the big driver of the larger size phones. I don't know about China, but I think India for sure is, hmm. is a good market for this. It's a lower price point and uh, it's... Uh, still a powerful phone i i think absolutely that's where it's going to be a big hit well i guess we'll find out right or maybe we won't <laughs> suffice to say i don't think uh, i'm not gonna get one but for whatever reason i was considering it and i was like no nah, specs aren't quite right for me but i like that it exists i can't quite explain why but again speaking about prices i like how there's a cheaper entry-level iphone and i just like how I don't know. Maybe the small phone advocates are very loud. They lobby very well. There's the word. Oh, yeah. They do. And (laughs) they got something. And I don't know. I just like that it exists and that there's there's a smaller size out there. So I have a question about the smaller size. And I realize the way that I just phrased that is, and considering what I'm about to say, may not go over really well. But well, let us I be was, the judge of that. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. She happens, obviously, to be a woman. And we were talking about the new Apple phone and how it's smaller and so on and so forth. And I personally cannot stand the larger size. Um, I do like the iPhone 6. I have finally gotten used to it. But I also have a 6 Plus. I cannot stand using it because it's way too big as far as a, a phone to use every day. So her and I were talking about the smaller phone sizes, and the comment that she made was she thinks that men prefer smaller sizes. And being that I'm the only female on this podcast right now, I'm curious as to know whether or not you guys agree with that, that, that men prefer smaller size iPhones than the larger ones. No. no um <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> uh, i i think i could see a reason for her thinking that in 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 that it's uh 
women tend to carry the phone around in a purse or some kind of a bag, and men don't do that. They put it in a pocket. Uh, so maybe that has something to do with the thinking. But for me personally, no, I, I prefer a larger one. I, I, I couldn't read a smaller one these days. Yeah, like I've got the same kind of issue, like, I, and I'm deeply aware of the differences in phone size as it relates to the ability to carry the damn thing around. Uh, my wife, for example, who who infrequently has a pocket to put a phone in, always carries it in her bag, and so uh, she has a five, an iPhone five. And after this announcement, I said to her, "Like, um, which phone size is best? I, is it the four inch screen?" the 4.7 or the 5.5 if you had your choice which one would you get because you know you you carry it in a bag and she said well you know it doesn't really matter to me so i'm, I'm happy with my current phone <laughs> don't take it away from me <laughs> uh, uh, okay <laughs> but uh my impression is that you know and, and just anecdotally what i've heard is that uh, women tend to prefer larger phones because they don't have to carry it on them. They can put it in a bag and uh, and get the benefit of the larger screen when they pull it out. Whereas men are more constrained, and maybe this is where you hear it, Tammy, um, because they have just the limits of their pocket size. Um, like the 5.5-inch screen is maybe just too large. Yeah, I have to tell you, most of the men in my life, they have Android phones, so... I don't know what to but they're, that. they aren't really men, then, are they? <laughs> oh, I can't believe oh, you went there. My. Oh my! I, you know, I was worried about the whole size comment, but you just totally stole the show. Yep, that's right. Thank you very much. Taking my bows. All right. All right. Does that wrap it up for the iPhone then? I guess. Yep. It's disappointing. Uh, but, you know, like, I'll just add that I have the same complaints about the iPhone lineup as I do about the iPad lineup. Uh, it's kind of like too much choice. Uh, it's really more about how much you want to spend and then try to find a model in that matrix that uh, that you feel the best about spending. Mm-hmm. And unlike the iPad uh, lineup, Greg, when you go to the compare page for the iPhone, there's no pricing on the U.S. site either. Interesting. So you gotta you got to make your own chart. Um, and I well, think I'll that's the same intentional. Thing. I think that having a spread of pricing like that is good for the iphone if only i guess the names aren't that bad i can live with the names se and six and success or whatever they're not great but um i like that price umbrella and all of that and um covering all their bases i think having an entry-level phone is good bring more people in even more people in and i, uh, I agree that'll happen developers yeah yeah the only thing is like the supposition appears to be that the iphone se is going to stick around for a while um, and I, so I think we're going to be looking at that model for some years to come, perhaps. It's going to be the new iPad 2, is what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'd like it to, you know, it would be great. And maybe that's what they're doing here. Here's a supposition for you. Because the iPhone SE has no number attached to it, right? It's not the 5S. <laughs> uh, sorry, 5C, right? Uh, so it's not it's not attached, seemingly, to any given existing model of iPhone. So it's possible that they will upgrade the guts of this thing next year. Maybe a year from now, it'll be like uh, iPhone 7 guts instead of iPhone 6S guts, mm-hmm. right? Um, in which case, you know, that would be fantastic, actually, I think. I hope so. When they stopped, when they didn't call it the iPad 4 and they called it the new iPad or whichever iPad that was, I was like, yes, kill the number, please. And yeah, that they was when they came with the iPad Air. Yeah, yeah. 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 But now so, there's the yeah, iPad Air it, 2 and whatever, but yeah. Yeah, that didn't that, make a, any that's difference. That's a possible argument, but, uh, but I think uh, another possible argument is that they don't want to be seen as going backwards any more than 
than this already implies. And by using an old number, what's perceived as an old number, uh, it really looks like a step backwards. And right. but at the same time, if they if they keep the the SE name next year, and and even if they revamp the the guts of it, I, I kind of think it's unlikely that they would do that because that would look like they're standing still. It looks like they didn't actually have a new model, even though they really did. To a casual observer, it, it looks like they don't. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think the SE name is is just a, a one-time thing just to get around this, we don't want to use the old number, and hmm. we'll have to come up with something else next time. I mean, everyone always brings up the, the MacBooks, right? MacBooks don't have numbers, and we've survived this entire time without it. So, I would, I would still lean on that and say, I just... You know, like, I think we, we overthink it because we're technical nerds. But when people come to the store and they say, here's the iPhone, here's the iPhone Pro, or I don't know, whatever the big one, iPhone Plus, and here's the iPhone SE, small, medium, and big, and that's it. And maybe people coming into the store will say, oh, I heard they just got refreshed, like it's September. Oh, I heard they just got refreshed. Is this the new one? Yes? All right, give it to me. But I don't know. The number, I think, is, again, I can I don't give know. it up it's, it's a different mindset, right? You don't mm. have people lining up at Apple stores to get the new MacBook, right? It just doesn't happen. But this mm. whole ritual yearly thing of there's a new iPhone and this is now the 7 uh, coming up next time, is, is a, it's a big thing. So to, to now have a 5, I think the number does make a big deal in, in, in people's minds because it's such a annual ritualized thing. Mm-hmm. And this but, being kind know. of an off year, an off year, not an off year, an off cycle, right. whatever the word is, because it's March, it's not September. Right, um, right. So maybe that's part of a, oh, we can't advance the number yet. But like you said, Mark, we don't want to call it like the 6C because, I don't know, it'll by the time the 7s comes out, we'll still have a 6. And so... Right. And you certainly don't want to have a 5. You certainly yeah. don't want to have a 5. Right. iPhone SE 2. That's what's going to come out next year. I'll say yeah. it right now. There's my yeah. prediction. Well, starting next year, they could, they could have the... Uh, it, they could even in September they could have the seven uh, and the seven SE. Seven mm-hmm. SE could be seven, could be small edition, not size, not special edition. Right? We, they <laughs> never said like what special. SE means. It could be small. <laughs> I thought Phil Schuller said it was special edition. Oh, did he? Yeah, did you say it? he did. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, all right. Never mind then. Well, next year it's small. <laughs> Make your plans now to come to Nashville, Tennessee and attend the best tech conference being held this year. Indie DevStock isn't just about learning the latest Apple frameworks or how to program in Swift. Indie DevStock is about making connections. Our speakers will share their stories, experiences, and ideas with you. Through their words, you'll gain a better understanding of the challenges indies face and, more importantly, how to overcome them. It doesn't matter if you're currently a successful indie developer, just starting out, or trying to decide if going indie is right for you. We're all in this together. In addition to the inspiration talks, you'll also have an opportunity to attend hands-on tech talks to help level up your skills. During this two-day event, not only will you get to experience Southern hospitality at its finest, but you'll also get to hear some of the best live music around while enjoying all Nashville has to offer. For more information and to buy your ticket, go to www.indiedevstock.com. We hope to see you there.
Um, before we get to our selections of the week, let me just give a quick shout out to Ryan Rapp for supporting us on Patreon. And as Tim notes, he joins our other patrons, uh, best of friends, Jesse, Alicia, and Jeff. So thanks, Ryan, for joining the club. Yay, and, Ryan. Uh, Woo! Tim also wants to give a shout out to the More Than Just Code website. And each episode has a post on there, sort of WordPress style. And on the post for episode three, going way back to 2014, there were some comments about um, the cost of making an app and giving estimates and things like that. And so there is once in a while some discussion on the website. So we'll have a link in the notes. You can check that out if you're interested about in um, app pricing. But before we wrap it up, I wonder if anybody has any particular selections that they made for this week. Uh, Aaron, do you have anything? I'm afraid not. Not this week. Oh, all right. Uh, Mark? Uh, I don't. I actually had one last week and two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, you did. That's it for the for year, me, huh? So, yeah, I knew it. Pretty much. I knew it. At least for the moment. Uh, Tammy. Tammy, what about you? A pick, we might even call it. Do you have some kind of a selection for this week? I do, but it's really self-serving and I'm afraid to say it. <laughs> all right, let's hear it. <laughs> let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. No, I can't guess. I can't. Come on. Guess. Starts, Let's hear it, Tammy. It starts with a P. And Greg oh, just said P? it. Oh, geez. No, I thought I was going to guess your uh, your conference, but uh, no, I guess not. No, 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 no. I was going to guess your website. No, no, or no. Your it, new, it, um... it is actually Patreon. I just created my own Patreon page today. And I have to say that the process of setting it up and getting it ready for pledges and making it live everything was so easy to understand um i don't want to say quick to do because it took me a while to get my act together to figure out what it was i wanted to do and how i wanted to convey it but the guys that put patreon together that is who i am making my pick today because they made it really an enjoyable experience so that's my pick great just patreon in general is what you're saying yeah, the whole site, okay. patreon.com. I mean, like I said, I, I created a site today for Just Right Code on Patreon, and it was flawless. I mean, it, it's up, it's live, it's ready to accept pledges, but I mean, they give you documentation on how to be successful. They support you. They have a fantastic community. And I, from what I understand, the, the guy that started the whole thing, I mean, he is a genuine guy, and you don't find people like that in today's world i mean i mean yes there are people like that but they are far and few between and certainly they are not the ones who who garner the most attention so kudos to him and kudos to patreon yay all right awesome <laughs> i have two selections for the episode um in my classic in all, this, in all this free time i've been having i've been watching more of those wonderful conference videos that have been coming up and meetup videos and so the first one is uh, called Conquering Your Fear of Adopting Swift, which I really enjoyed. I think as more people are sort of jumping on the Swift train these days, uh, maybe especially with the release of Xcode 7.3 and Swift 2.2, with all of these um, features that have come in from the community, and also the very, very much improved um, fuzzy autocomplete in Xcode, which I've really enjoyed. Um, more people are jumping on the Swift train, as I said, so this is a really interesting talk about um, sort of making that jump. And uh, it has a little bit of sort of real-world story as well about uh, how this particular gentleman kind of made the switch and some of the benefits and things like that. So that's one talk, of course, hosted on Realm, everybody's best friend when it comes to videos. That guy that we second... talked about at the beginning, Greg, he should have uh, read or watched that video. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> 
Sorry, and go ahead. The, uh, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> the second one I have is, um, I think it's the first video to come from the Tri Swift conference that ran in Tokyo a few weeks ago, a month ago or so. My whole Twitter feed was filled with tweets of people at that conference, which sound like a lot of fun. And so this talk is called Contributing to Open Source Swift. And it's about, gives kind of an overview of Swift and the compiler and sort of what that's all about. <laughs> and then some tips on kind of how to get started. And um, it's nice because it's like you don't have to be a super smart compiler engineer. There's, uh, you know, there's tons of stuff that's open source that you can look at and learn about. So if you're sort of not sure or, you know, you want to contribute somehow, but you, you know, you don't want to dive into C++ or whatever. And uh, or you just want to know how the compiler works and what all the stages are, you know, with LLVM and SIL and all that stuff. Then uh, check out this talk, Contributing to Open Source Swift, again, hosted on Realm.io. Great. God, that's nerdy. <laughs> hey, Greg, it just reminded me, uh, you were in Beijing a while ago doing a talk. Yeah. Um, has that been posted? That's a good question. I've completely forgot about it. I don't think so. Uh, or at least nobody has told me. So I don't think so. No. Okay. If it does, I think you, I hope you'd let us know. I, I would. I would tweet it out or something like that. that. Maybe I should go email them and see how they're doing and what's going on with that. Cool. I hope the recording survived and all of that. I did. I do record my own. Like I use QuickTime and record the screen, so I do have my own recording of the talk. Right. But um, I think they had somebody like officially filming it and all that. But no, I haven't seen it yet. So maybe I'll I'll keep an eye out for it though, for sure. All right. Because right. that would have been my pick. That would have totally been my pick. Uh, thanks, Aaron. Anytime, Greg. Wow, you're such a suck-up now that he's taken over the show. My goodness. Well, i, I got to get on next week, Tammy. This is the right. only way. That's right. Mooch up to the host. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Long live the king. All right. There we go. <laughs> Episode 84. We said our thank yous to our Patreon sponsors and all that, um, who we appreciate very much, of course. And um, I think that's it. So, Aaron, if people want to find you out there and get in touch, send you a letter or something like that, how would they do that? Twitter, at Aaron Vey. And Tammy, how do people get in touch with you if they have any comments or want to comment on your iPad usage? I am on Twitter, Paradox927. And Mark, where do people send you their cursive letter? You can send me an email at markr at smapsoft.com. No one has sent me a letter yet, so I'll just go back to Twitter. I'm Might as well. Greg <laughs> I'm Greg Hugh on Twitter. You can uh, reach me there. Don't DM me, though. I have open DMs, and people have been doing it. But, uh, oh, that's I crazy. DM me too. Who would do you that? You can DM me if you want to. That's me on Twitter. Wait, wait, and of course, you... you can follow... Yeah. How do you open DM? I thought you had to like follow someone and then you had to follow them. And no, there's no, a setting now anymore. where if you want to accept DMs from oh, anybody, you can turn that on. So. Okay, I should do that. Yeah. Not that figured, anyone wants know. to talk to me. But yeah, Maybe people want to talk to me, so I did turn it on. And yes, people have been DMing me, so um, there it is. All right, and you can, of course, follow the podcast twitter uh, account mtjc underscore podcast you'll hear more about that in the outro and we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming next week and tim will be back so until next week we'll all say goodbye bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. bye. if you want to find out more about the show you can visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fm there you can find the summary and show notes of each episode we list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. If you're listening on Overcast, go ahead and press that recommend button. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. 
And if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. Greg, this is the point where you say, and scene. And scene. I was Good. waiting for a little bit of a pause to have a little gap in the recording, you know? Well, no, you this is it. the there point is. where he says, now you're all under my control. <laughs> <laughs> that was a was good, good evil laugh. That's yeah, who I, I did that? that? Who totally that did was me. that? Wow. Totally we got stuff to talk about tonight, baby. Lots of new stuff to talk about. Oh, 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 that was it. Tim tweeted me tonight, at Aaron Vay, F you. He wrote. And I wrote back. What did he write? F U. The letters that's F, it? the letter U. Oh, that's it. I that's thought you it. meant like F U and then like more stuff. Like he wanted to follow up with something. Nope. Oh. <laughs> that's Tim How being cryptic. Rude. Yep. So, yeah, we just had a little back and forth, uh, content free, 100%. So, I, I had no idea. Oh, he's at his concert. That's where he's at. So, Noel Fielding. I don't even I don't know, know who, who that, that is. is. I have no idea who that is. He was tweeting, hey, I've got extra tickets. Anyone want to come? And then he tweeted again, nobody? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> I was I, like, I don't even know who this is. I did see the tweet. I didn't realize yeah. it was because of tonight. I guess that's, uh, he just tweeted a photo of it, so that must be it. I don't see his tweet. T- oh, I have to do tweets and replies, maybe. He didn't realize FU wasn't optional? I don't get it. See, I wrote back to him, FU exclamation mark. And then he wrote back saying, I didn't realize that FU was unoptional. Um... He's we, cryptic, that man. Well, yeah, he, uh, he says all kinds of things that I kind of go, huh? And then, uh, you know, if you go to the trouble to ask him, he will come back with a, a translation that, that makes some modicum of sense. He's, hmm. not, he's not completely off the wall. He can be a little bit. Okay. By the way, Tammy, I don't think we've ever actually met. Uh, no, I don't so, think we... Oh, oh wow, nice really? Hi, Mark. No, we've you never had... never been on the same podcast. Wow. No. Yeah, they're like, kind of uh, weird. Pokeroo, only Aaron will get that. Oh. Yeah. Dr. Mark Rubin, Hello. Tammy Corn, <laughs> Tammy Corn, Dr. Mark Rubin. Hi, Mark. Hi. How are you? Uh-oh. Good, good. Hold on one second. I just got to. Uh, yeah, I make them all run. All I have to do is open my mouth and they run away. They're like, hang on, I'll Thanks, be back Tammy. 20 hours later and they they still don't come back. <laughs> I don't know. All right, then. Well, uh, it'll be fun. You'll, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, give me a call when you get down here, when you're settled in or something. We'll get we'll get a burrito or get something. a burrito? Oh, someone has already told my lawyer here. Actually, he used to live in San Francisco. And he said, oh, yeah. you have to go to this place. He told me, I forget the name of it now, but he's already suggested the place in San Francisco to go. So, um, yeah. But, no, I'll come down. We'll go to um, get a, what was it, El- Vic, Victoria? Love La- 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 Vic. La- I was going to say Elvic, La- but, no, that's masculine. Uh, no, La- it's Vic. feminine, right? Love La- 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 Victoria. It's feminine. So, it's, in, 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 in Espanol. Uh, I've got, got to brush up on my Spanish too, obviously. So yeah, 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 yeah. You you kind of do actually. I mean, it it sort of it, it you'll you'll pick it up sort of naturally just because so many of the place names are in Spanish yeah. that it'll just you'll just pick things up here and there. Yeah. Uh, but but you will. Yeah, it'll it'll just happen. All right. Looking forward to it. So. Yeah. Yep. In a week, we'll be we'll be neighbors, Mark. There it is. Sounds good. All right. Listen, listen, uh, yo. We need you to uh, add a. Commit uh, on day one. You need you to like totally update the code base. I would like that. You push getting, out a, getting a commit on your first day—that's kind of a kind of a nice thing, isn't it? 
Actually, I, I kid, but uh, I do believe in that. Yeah. So on day one, I want I want to be making some kind of contribution to the code. Yeah. So I hope there's it's, something. It's a minor one. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. They use Mercurial. I don't even know how to commit. So who knows? Oh, in that case, see, that's just like Facebook, right? Git can't handle our scale, right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Just, just to be like, ah. Oh. I mean, they're both distributed and all that, so I don't quite know what the, I, I, I don't know enough about what the difference is, but there it is. The difference is that everybody uses Git, and so you have to learn something new. You know, uh, Dan Jowkut is a big fan of Mercurial. He recently, I stopped listening to that podcast, I'll admit, but he, didn't he switch to Git yeah. recently? Yeah, he had to give in because yeah. the, the community pressure is simply too great. Yeah. Uh, so GitHub, you know, being this, this great gravity well that's pulling everything in. So whatever your feelings about Git, per se, you can't deny that GitHub is just one of the most powerful resources on the internet. Maybe he should but, come work at Facebook. Know, no, I don't think so.